Welcome to the podcast of Rogue Valley Christian Church. We hope to be a place that connects you to Jesus, encourages you to grow in your faith, and challenges you to serve the world. We're in the book of Acts chapter 2, even as we read, and don't forget, we're doing so because for the month of January, we're taking time to go through a little series of messages called uh, How Church. Did that just come up behind me? Perfect. It worked. As you can tell by the slide behind me, we're doing this series of messages throughout the month of January called How Church. At the beginning of the service, remember we came up, and at the beginning of every service, one of the elders typically will come up and share what you can expect during the services. We do so because we recognize not everybody is familiar with everything that we do every week, and so it's good for people to know what it is that we're going to walk through and how it is that we're going to walk through it. But that's just kind of what to expect, you know what I mean, in terms of Bible study, worship, prayer, remembrance, all of those things are the what. What we're going to take the whole month of January to do is ask ourselves, well, how are we supposed to not only do church but also be the church? And we're grounding ourselves in this small passage in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, last week, remember, in asking how are we supposed to do church, the first thing that we looked at, because we believe that Acts chapter 2 gives us some guiding principles on how to do church, and so one of the first things that came up last week was we're supposed to do church devotedly, remember, devoted, having a longing for and a commitment to God's word, God's people, God's grace, and God's presence. If you look at Acts 2.42, you'll see those things. And so we're supposed to do church devotedly, but today, as we come together, we're recognizing this. In Acts chapter 2, verse 43, and we'll get to the verse in a minute, we are and we should do church expectantly. Expectantly. The word expectant means this. It means uh, to look forward to, to regard as likely to happen, to anticipate the occurrence of. I like that, right? We should do church expectantly. We should look forward to a certain number of things. We should uh, regard those things as likely to happen, and we should have confidence that God is going to bring them about. In other words, we anticipate them actually taking place. Did you know that everybody that comes to church, and you might actually on the side say this, everybody who wakes up each and every day throughout all of their life, no matter what they're doing in life, whether it's work, hobbies, or fun, whatever, we all have expectations in life, don't we? Can we just go ahead and agree with that? They develop young. Yesterday, we were driving downtown the middle of Medford, and we were moving from one place to the next, and our four-year-old, you know him as Ezekiel, he's four. Did I mention? He's four. Now, some of you are like, oh, my gosh, that's so sweet. He has a four-year-old. <laughs> Others who have had four-year-olds are like, let's pray for them. <laughs> so we're driving down downtown Medford, and we're driving by the Safeway over on the, 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 like the east, like Middle East side. Middle East side of Medford? That's a thing. <laughs> Middle of town, kind of east-ish. There's a Safeway over that, and if you're familiar with that area, there's also a DMV. Have you ever waited in line there? There's also a DMV, but most importantly, right by that Safeway, there's, a, there's an unbelievable establishment called Little Caesars. <laughs> Little Caesars, maybe some of the greatest pizza that's ever been created in the history of the world, and I don't care what the Italians might say. <laughs> so we're driving by Little Caesars, and Ezekiel says, Hey! 
Little Caesars, let's get pizza. Now, you guys might be thinking, oh my gosh, that's so cute. I'm thinking, listen, little four-year-old tyrant who expects the ability to run our family, I've got news for you. It does not work that way. I left the story there after first service. Somebody came up and said, did you get him pizza? And I said, no, we drew a line in the sand and paid for it all day long. <laughs> See, we all have expectations. We always have from the time that we could begin communicating what it is that we're thinking, what it is that we're feeling, what it is that we're going through. We develop expectations. And we bring those to us even as it relates, we bring those to church even as it relates to coming together, not just doing church like we do on a Sunday morning or any other time that we get together, but also being the church. Like we have expectations on what that's supposed to look like and what's that supposed to be like. I was thinking about this over the last week and I realized that in my own life, I have mistakenly believed that the church was one thing and then as a result developed unfair or ridiculous expectations about the church. At one time or another, I've mistakenly thought the church was more like a restaurant. You ever go to restaurants? Restaurants are great. You get met by people, they lead you to where they want you to sit. And if you don't like that place, you can ask to be seated by the window and guess what? They'll take you there. And then when you're seated there, they have people, did you know at restaurants, they have people whose sole purpose at the restaurant is to walk around with a note-taking pad to make sure you get what you want, when you want, however you want it. I love restaurants. But the church is not a restaurant. We should not expect a few individuals to be ready to get, get, get us whatever we may want, whenever we may want it. And I got to be honest, there are times where I've viewed church that way. Oh, there's a staff. They're here to make sure that I get my hamburger medium rare. Only because it's not legal to serve it rare anymore. Whatever. I don't know what's wrong with America. At other times, I felt like the church is more like a country club. But we shouldn't expect special privileges because we paid a lot of money for our membership. And sadly, people treat church that way. But that's not the church. Others, myself included at one point or another, has treated church like a theater. I don't know about you, but I, how many of you, you guys like going to the theater? All of you guys are like, no, we got Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, HBO, Showtime. I never leave my house. You're lucky I'm here. In fact, I've heard I can watch this online in my living room. Peace out. <laughs> right? I don't know about you, but I love the theater. I love, like, the movie theater. I love Shakespearean theater. I love little homie, you know, group theater. I just like the theater. I love sitting there and taking in the show. But that's not church. We can't view church like a theater and expect to be able to come sit down and just take in the show. That's not the way it works. Church also isn't a museum. This is an interesting one, right? Church isn't a museum. We shouldn't expect to be able to wander around only engaging the things that we find interesting. Are you with me? I don't know if this is so funny because I watched it. I literally, after warning first service not to do that, watched it happen after service because that's just kind of what we do. I'm not judging anybody in first service if you guys tuned in because you just couldn't get enough. 
let me just say this, we love you, but I watch people, you go around, you're like, well, I find you interesting, so I'll stand here and look at this exhibit for an hour and ignore all the rest of the beautiful works of art. Did you just hear what I said? Though we are filled with a bunch of beautiful works of art, that's you, look in the mirror, that is, and it's not just because I say so, my eyes are going bad, it's because it's the theology of God's word that you have been created in Christ Jesus and you are his workmanship prepared for good works that you could walk in that he's prepared in advance. And I just butchered the verse, but you know what I'm saying. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Are you with me? Nobody email me the proper translation of that verse. I get it. But it isn't a museum that we only walk around once in a while and only engage the things that we find interesting. I added this one first service. I also don't think that church is a mu- uh, an amusement park either where we pay high dollar, we are willing to pay high dollar to go to a place that's fenced in and traps you into buying overpriced pieces of sugar bread (laughs) and experience all of the finest and greatest things that technology could have to offer. Like, that's 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 not church. Our live stream went down for service. How great are we? You know what I mean? That's not church. And sadly, many people, whether they recognize it or not, have these expectations. And maybe you didn't put words to them like I just did, but we all have those expectations. That's not church. What is church? Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 43. Acts chapter 2, verse 43, and awe came upon every soul. Make no mistake about it. This wasn't just describing this one moment where they came together on a Saturday or a Sunday, most likely in their culture on a Saturday, to to worship the Lord. And they were just in this small group gathering. That's not necessarily what this is confined to. It's talking about the reality of not just them doing church, but also being the church. And look at what happens. It says, awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. When we read, just so you know, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Make no mistake about it. There were miraculous things that God was doing through his people. And the point was not necessarily the apostles as much as it was God doing work. Does that make sense? The apostles there, technically speaking, are the eyewitnesses to the ministry of Jesus during that day. These were guys that had, and people who had witnessed the work of Jesus. They had walked with him, talked with him, so on and so forth. And God was doing miraculous signs and wonders through them to the point that everyone was filled with awe. Everyone was awestruck. And I know the propensity of humanity is to be awestruck by people and sadly, That's what's happened here even during that day and throughout history. But we shouldn't be a church that is awestruck by the individuals. We should be a church who is in awe of the God of everyone. Amen? Like, that's what's happening here. So when we read about signs and wonders being done through the apostles, just understand they were vehicles for God's miraculous presence and power working out in such a way. Now, let's get this clear, okay? They were working it out. He was working it out in such a way that the church, the early church that's in its infancy at this point, it was like a newborn baby, right? It was being protected by God. It was being provided for by God. It was being cared for by God, even through these signs and wonders through his people. What he was doing is he was making sure through these signs and wonders that everybody would have attributed first and foremost to the reality of Jesus when he walked 
through this world, we're looking at the story of Jesus. How many times have we seen him work miracles? How many times have we seen him lay his hands on somebody's ears and they can hear again? Eyes, mouth, all of the things. Hand, well, everything. That's just the way to describe a whole lot of stuff that Jesus did that's miraculous, okay? Feel free to steal it. This is what he did, right? We all know that. So when these signs and wonders were being done, everybody in that day would have recognized, wait a minute, this is just like that Jesus guy was doing. And according to the scriptures that we read, even in our Old Testament, that talk about the coming Messiah, these are the things that God does. Wait a minute, this is what God's doing. This is exactly why the signs and wonders we're doing. We should never forget, am I talking really fast? Shouldn't have had that cup of coffee. But I'm also in a hurry we got a lot to say and a little bit of time to say it in. Here's the deal. We should never forget also that the church in its infancy was existing in a time and a space where it had to be protected for, in reality, it was borderline illegal for it to be. Don't forget the church was existing during the Roman era, and under the Roman rule, the only religion that was a legal religion was the worship of the Caesar. And they tenuously, the Romans and the Jews, tenuously cut a deal that Judaism could exist so long as it didn't threaten Roman rule. So long as they didn't misbehave or insurrect, they were okay. And the only way that the church in God's protection and providence continued to exist was by being considered a sect of Judaism. What does that have to do with what we're talking about? Because here's the thing. If people would have been watching what was going on, they knew about the God of the Jews. And then when they start seeing within this sect that we call Christianity, that they just were kind of trying to figure out a way to dismiss, overlook, and ignore, God was working in them in such a miraculous way that there was no way anyone, critic, Christian, or curious, nobody could overlook the church, write off the church, or ignore the church because unmistakably, signs and wonders, awestruck signs and wonders were happening according to the presence and power of God. Amen. Are you with me? We should do church expectantly. But our expectations should have very little to do with what we get. And they should have a lot to do with who he is. Are you with me? So look at this. Many signs and wonders were being done, and God was doing them so that the church would not be overlooked, dismissed, or ignored. I made a point last week. I'll make it again probably every week, and that is this. We live in a very different time than they did in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. It's too simple to say, well, we should do church like they did. Okay. Do you want to exist almost illegally every Sunday? Be my guest. I like freedom. Are you with me? It's a very different time. But one of the things that's interesting that struck me this morning is this. We do live in a time where similar to that time, there are many who would desire or would have it that the church, that is us, be overlooked, ignored, or written off. That's happening all around us. Now, I don't know about you, but I talk to a lot of people who don't like that. I would ask for a show of hands, but I'd be bummed out by anybody who didn't raise their hand. So I'm just going to assume you'd all raise your hand, right? That bums us out because we recognize the church is something significant. It's more than a movie theater, more than a country club, more than a restaurant. It's more than any of those things. It's more than an amusement park. It is the living, breathing manifestation of God in this world through his people, Changing the world one life at a time, one day at a time, one moment after another. Are you okay with that definition of the church right off the fly? 
That's a good thing to be a part of. In my estimation, there's no way that the church should be ignored, overlooked, or written off. Why? Because I still believe that through the church and the presentation and manifestation of God's love to the world, man, it's one of the only secure hopes that the world has. So we should not only do church, but also be the church with great expectation. Great expectation. Letting go of any and every expectation that has to do with what we get or how we're comfortable or how we're entertained or what we might get for our dollar. Forget about those expectations. We should do church and be the church with a great expectation that God is among us and at work through us. And he's doing so in such a way that the world, both inside, outside, and all around, cannot ignore, overlook, or write off the reality of what he's doing. Why? Because they would look, even in on us, even from among us or outside of us, they would look and see things that happen within the church and go, I don't know any other way to explain it but God Almighty. If there is a God, that's the only way that this could explain, be explained. Now, you might be thinking, okay, so what are we talking about? <laughs> Who's going to heal the blind? Who's going to heal? What, how are we going to do this? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this. Did you know in the world, everywhere around us, people are longing for genuine love. People are desperate for happiness, kindness. People just want a little patience. I think there's a song about that. All we need. Anyone? I did karaoke last weekend. Can't help it. All we need is just a little. Are you with me? Nobody? This ain't the first time I've thrown myself out here all embarrassed. Did somebody just say patience? That's mean. But that's all we want, right? Kindness, gentleness, self-control. This is what the people are wanting. And I suggest to you today that while God is still able to heal the sick, give sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, while he's still able to make a mute speak, right? While he's still able to do all of those things, and there are lots of reasons why maybe we do or don't see those things in our world. We've got a hospital five minutes away, so a lot of times instead of going to God, we go to Asante. There's nothing wrong with that, right? We can't forget about God and trust that he's still doing all of those miracles, maybe in different ways than he did then, but he's still doing them. In the meantime, while we're all worried and concerned about these big miracles, we should never forget about the reality of the daily miracles that God wants to do through his people according to the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit. Look at Galatians chapter 5. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you that I think, in my opinion, what Paul is supposing for the Galatian church as it relates to the fruits of the Spirit, as it relates to a Spirit-filled life, as it relates to keeping in step with the Spirit, as it relates to crucifying the flesh, I suggest to you it takes nothing less than a miracle. 
It takes nothing less than the wondrous signs of God working in his people to a degree that people are awestruck by the way we do, by how we do church, by how we are the church. It is my suggestion that we should do church with great expectations. We should expect to see God miraculously bringing about love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I suggest to you it requires a willingness to see that these things are miraculous. And I suggest that because of what Paul says next in verse 24. He says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Did you know that on our own, apart from God and in our own flesh, if we don't walk by the spirit, we are passionate about everything that is opposite of the list that he made. Whatever is the opposite of love, that's what I'm passionate about on my own. Do you guys see that? And some of you are like, yes, I do see that in you. And I see it in you, right? That's the reality of it, right? We got to recognize that Paul wouldn't say something so dramatic. I don't, did you catch it? We read it all the time. It's like a memory verse. I have crucified the flesh. But man, do you understand what that means? This is dramatic language. This is language that Paul uses. It's meant to grab our attention about what it is that we need to do to put ourselves in a space where God can work miraculously. And what it is that we need to do is we need to deal with that which is opposed to God in our lives, flesh. We need to actually put it to death in the most dramatic, uncomfortable, and violent way. This is what he uses. His word's not mine. I, if it were me writing the gospel, and I didn't, right? I didn't write no letters. I barely know how to spell. I didn't do that. I make up words all the time so it wouldn't make it in the Bible. But if I were writing it, I think I would say, you know what? And those who belong to Jesus are just doing their best to do the right thing. That inspires no one. That catches nobody's attention. But Paul uses language that is meant to kind of go, wait, what? He uses language that's, most, that's meant to grab our attention so we'll see what it is that is at stake. He says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. There is this miraculous ability that God gives his people to do away with the flesh and to walk in the spirit. So what? So the miraculous signs and wonders of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. And all of those things come flowing in and through the church. Wouldn't that be rad, if you will? I, I watched an 80s movie. Wouldn't it be amazing if every single Sunday when you got together at church, did you notice I said every single Sunday because we should try to come every single Sunday? Wouldn't it be amazing if we came and we had a great expectation that is a confident belief, that is we presume that love is going to happen in God's house that joy is going to be a part of being with God's people, that peace is going to be present among his church. Wouldn't it be amazing if we went to church like that, where we actually expected the miraculous work of God in and through his people, and not just his staff. We ain't waiters, ladies and gentlemen. 
but his people, all of us, to the degree that self-control and patience and kindness and goodness, wouldn't it be amazing if every single Sunday we went and did church in such a way that anyone and everyone who came and hung out with us for that hour or so would walk away amazed and in awe of the reality of God's miraculous power working through his people, and they see it unmistakably. And as a result of seeing it unmistakably, that is, they know some of us, and they know that we're not that way on our own. So they got to believe that it's a miracle that God is doing through us. And they saw that, and they walked away and recognized, you know what? I may have wanted to ignore the church, write it off, or do away with it before, but I can't do that anymore. Why? Because the reality of God's awe-inspiring work is too real it's exciting to me like the prospect of being connected to a people and a movement like that that's exciting why because I think that kind of movement makes a difference in the world I think that kind of movement from God a miraculous movement from God I think it makes a difference in society I think it makes a difference in culture I think it makes a difference in our families I think it takes a selfish little four-year-old and turns him into a selfless young man God be with it (laughs) I mean he's a lot right now have I communicated that This is a big deal, ladies and gentlemen. We should do church expectantly. And not just because we go to church, you know what I mean? I don't know about you, but when I go to church, I do. I I mean, I want... I, I, I want to be able to expect to receive love and joy and peace and patience. I want to be able to expect the miraculous reality of God not only in you but working through you to my blessing. I want that. And I think it's okay to want that. But I also, on the other hand, recognize that I got to want to be that as well. I wrote a couple of things down. You might be happy about that because it will keep me on track. But I wrote a couple of things down. We should be aware that the people around us are looking for love. So therefore, we should expect that God will want to give it to him, maybe even through us. See, we should do church with great expectation. We should expect that people around us are longing for happiness and believe and be ready for the reality that God may want to give it to them, even through us. We should expect that people around us are looking for patience and kindness and trust that God wants to bless them with such things even in and through us, the church. We should be a people of great expectation. We should be aware that people around us are also looking for gentleness and self-control. And in hope, beyond hope, that God is willing to give that to the people around us, even through his church, that is us. And it's not just us gathered here on a Sunday. It's us being who he wants us to be every day. How do we do church? We should do church expectantly. Believing that God's presence is here. And not only here, but working in here, and not only working in here, but also out here in a miraculous way. If we do church expectantly, if we do it, we'll celebrate more. 
I do believe we'll celebrate more. We'll look at each other and we'll recognize that that moment where somebody gave me love or that moment where I gave somebody love or that moment where somebody received kindness or gentleness or joy or, what, or peace or whatever those things and all the more Christian stuff is, we would see the reality of that. We would look at it and we would recognize, man, those people are just nice people. Did you know that that's what we hear about the church all the time? Are you with me? That's a great thing to hear about a church, right? We hear it all the time from people who come here for the very first time. They're like, well, I don't know much about it, and I'm not sure about the guy up there, but I do know this. The people out here, they are so friendly and kind. And we always go, yeah, they genuinely are. But what if it went to this next level to where they recognize, man, I don't know much, but I do know that those people are genuine and kind, loving and gracious, self-controlled, gentle, and just peaceful, and they're joyful. And you know what? I recognize that I, 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 I know some of these people, and on their own, they're just not like that. So there's got to be something going on. As you can tell right now, I'm imagining somebody with half an Irish accent saying these things. There's got to be something going on, don't you know? I'm not even sure what accent that is. Minnesotan, Irish, Filipino. Ah, Joseph. So here's the thing. Ah, <laughs> oh, Darren, why you not tell them what you're trying to say? You're welcome. I've been reconnecting with my heritage lately, and it's a wonderful thing. And if you don't like that, get over it. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'm not making fun of them because I am one of them. Thank you very much. But what if people recognize when they come across the church, whether it's in here in our services or out there in the world, what if they recognize the miraculous power of God? And then we expected that God would use that in such a way that there's no way that they could write off, ignore, or do away with him and his people. Amen. Let's stand together for just a moment. Ben's going to come back up and lead us in a song. At the beginning of the service, I told you one of the things that we could expect was a time of remembrance. And if we're going to lean in to what it is that the Lord has to say about how to do church, then we have to recognize that it will require us to recognize our need for the wonderful sign of God's grace and expect that he'll give it because of the awe-inspiring work of Jesus who took our place on a cross and poured out his blood for our forgiveness. As Ben sing sings this song and leads us in one more song, we're going to have some folks come forward and hand out communion elements. I want to encourage you to take them. And as you do, may your remembrance of him and what he has done be filled with the greatest expectations about what he wants to do with and through his church that is me and you, not just on Sunday, but every day. May our remembrance of him culminate in having great expectations about this miracle-working, awe-inspiring, powerful God who's willing to gather us together, work in us and through us, and then send us out to do the same thing. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We're so glad that you give us the time to be in it each and every week together like this, but at any moment throughout the rest of our days. 
I pray, Lord, that even as we consider your word, we recognize that you are the God of great expectations, that we as your church, the way that we are the church and the way that we do church is all about your character and your willingness and your ability to do the miraculous. So I pray, Lord, according to your spirit, that you would help us to expect great things day in and day out because that's what you do. I pray, Lord, that we would do a better job of recognizing your love and your joy and your peace and your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your self-control. That we would do a better job of celebrating those things, recognizing those things, passing on those things. Lord, we want to do church expectantly and we have great expectations about what you can do and so we invite you not only into our church but into our lives and we trust, we look forward to seeing how you do all of these things and so much more. Jesus, we thank you that we can be here today talking about these things because you on that day some 2,000 years ago willingly carried a cross that was meant for our execution and you took our place on that cross, on that hill called Golgotha. And you shed your blood so that we could be forgiven. Jesus, we thank you for not only doing that, but showing us what the Father's love looks like. And so we, as your people who have believed in you, who have found forgiveness, who have been given life, we pray, Lord, that you would help us. to live it for your glory and your honor. That you would help us be a church filled with great expectations. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. For more information about Rogue Valley Christian Church, please visit our website at www.rvchristian.com.